Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And today we're talking with another of my homeschool mentors, Karen Campbell. I don't remember how I first happened upon Karen's website, but it was when my girls were very little. Then I read her book, The Joy of Relationship Homeschooling, which came out in 2014, and it became one of my guiding forces through the rest of my homeschooling years. And I remember wishing I'd had it from the beginning. I eventually reached out to Karen, something very good that came out of Facebook, even though everything else, whatever. (laughs) And the rest is history for us, as my connection with her has continually blessed my socks off. And having been involved with homeschooling since 1985, first with her own six children and also as an advocate for many other homeschooling moms along the way, Karen is truly a modern homeschool pioneer. She founded the Treasures of a Mother's Heart Day of Encouragement for Homeschooling Moms in Central Illinois to offer moms inspiration and encouragement. And as I said, she's the author of The Joy of Relationship Homeschooling, When the One Another's Come Home. Karen and her husband, Clay, have been married for 47 years and enjoy 15 grandchildren who have all been homeschooled in one shape or form. She's also an aspiring cookier. And you can find her at her website, thatmom.com. Welcome, Karen. Hi, good morning. Well, I'm delighted. The very first question is, Karen, first off, what is an aspiring cookie <laughs> I feel like I should say it in French, cookie cookie <laughs> Well, this is my favorite thing I will say to my husband because I follow cookie blogs and he, I will say the cookie say any kind of rule. <laughs> A cookier is just somebody who aspires to be better and better at making cookies. And some people feel like you have maybe your goal is to be a commercial cookie salesperson or make cookies <laughs> people. I just really love to bless people with it. And I have done some baking for people for sale, but mostly I just love to do it. And I learned to do cookies or bake. You know, I had a love for baking since I first got married had kids. I wanted to know how to make cookies. I started collecting, collecting cookie cutters, dabbled in that. But about four and a half years ago, I had a stroke and that stroke left me paralyzed completely on the left side. And I had to have rehab. I was in the hospital for a month. One of the things that my occupational therapist asked me was, what are some of your goals? What do you want to be able to do? And I said, I have got to be able to make cookies. I have 15 (laughs) grandchildren. And so she helped me work by hand. Left hand is still very, very compromised. So much of my cookie decorating is done with just my right hand. But I have just learned to do this. And it's been a great occupational therapy I put books on. Sometimes I'll decide, oh, today I'm going to listen through the book of Romans three times while I'm decorating Mm -hmm. something. And or I have a good book that I want to listen to that's not scripture and I'll put that on. So that's what an aspiring cook here is. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a great, beautiful story. I love it. You know, and you're an inspiring cookier because I see you post (laughs) pictures of your cookies on Facebook. Jenny's going to have to start doing that now too. And Karen, I don't know if you saw on my post recently, but I am going to be a grandma. I am a grandma and that child's going to be born in early December. How great is that? You will love it. Yep. So now I need to learn how to be the cookier I was not really when my kids were growing up. (laughs) And it's really true because cookies are not easy to make. And I'm talking about the basics, right? I learned to... I think most of the people that call themselves cookiers are learning to decorate sugar cookies. And that's what I'd love to do. I've got, you know, the basics down. It's really fun for me. I'm going to see grandkids in a couple of weeks. And they said, grandma, bring stuff to make cookies. And I probably have about a thousand cookie cutters. Seriously. (laughs) 
sort of organized and they'll pick what they want, but it's a good connection and it's a great way to bless people. So that is for sure. Very good. Very good. Well, okay. So let's back up. Yep. Before the cookieing <laughs> and kind of talk about talking about your homeschool journey. Um, it, I don't think it was even, it was like barely legal when you started because in Wisconsin, where we are, it became legal in 1984. So you'll have to tell us the, the story of that where you were, but um, how old were your children when you decided to do this? And, um, and it was pretty radical at the time. So what was that like? Well, we were hippies. Let's just face it. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> the 70s. And my husband, which this is very contrary to being a child of the 70s, was in the military. Mm-hmm. And we were living in Germany and we had three little toddlers facing getting out. We did not want to stay in the military. What we saw happening in military families was not good. Mm-hmm. So we decided to get out. We decided to come back, live near my parents in a town of about 2,500 people. Hmm. We dabbled with the idea of homeschooling, but we just fell into that normal groove, like normal people. You send your kids to a normal school, right? (laughs) And I was, I had a teaching certificate and I was going to teach full time and in this little town and we were going to be normal two-income family. Mm. And, you know, the Lord just really worked in our hearts through just a variety of things. We had a very, very bright son who had a late November birthday Mm. and the cutoff age was December 1st. So they said, send him to school. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was a mistake. He wasn't ready. Mm. I wasn't ready for him to go. He was so delightful. Mm -hmm. But about six weeks in, they called and said, He's not ready for school. I'm thinking, well, duh, I, you know, like for once I was right about something and suddenly the light bulbs went on and, and my head, I guess moms do know best. Yeah. And so when we brought him home, that started us thinking about what we're going to do. It was a few years later. My oldest was nine or 10 when we brought her home. We were convicted to homeschool just right after Thanksgiving. And we said, the kids are coming home for Christmas vacation. I know we won't send them back afterwards. And, we did. <laughs> and the teachers went to pick up their things and the teachers were wringing their hands. And the second grade teacher said, oh, do you think you're going to be able to teach second grade language arts? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Like all the reasons they wanted to plant doubts of failure. And I I just wouldn't have none of it. They were my children. Mm. So that was kind of our beginning. And that first six months was just, just so wonderful. We just, we did a lot of things that were just downtime things. Like we, every Friday afternoon, we listened to the Pacific Guard mission testimonies Mm. and the kids love that on the radio you know old radio dramas Uh. (laughs) just we just had downtime and it took a while to deprogram and I you know started out with teaching background thinking I needed a school room and a bulletin board and an overhead projector (laughs) I had an overhead projector (laughs) those were so fun they were but you know, it just took a while, but we realized we didn't need to be doing school in our home. This was just a part. Learning was part of life. So that was our journey. And about legal aspects of it, we living in Illinois have very, very good homeschooling laws. They haven't figured out how to take those away yet, but I'm sure they're working (laughs) on it. And that's true. But I mean, the state is so oppressive otherwise, but Iowa, there were people that went to jail. I believe it was North Dakota, Michigan. At that time, we would hear these stories. And of course we had, back in the olden days, we had phone treats and people would call each other to let people know what we needed to do. And um, I think that we've learned to be very vigilant. Yeah. Um, The only 
thing that we ever got into trouble one time, and it wasn't really trouble for us, but we were visited one time by someone from the superintendent of school's office. Mm. That time there were about mm. two think, homeschooling families in the whole county, and we were one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the man came about three weeks after I'd had a baby. Uh, you know how pleasant your life is in your house. Oh, yes. Yeah. The baby. Yes. And I answered the door, you know, and I smelled like breast milk. Patting <laughs> 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 this baby, you know. And, yeah. And the man actually put his foot in my door so I couldn't close. <gasps> and if I knew then what I know now, I would have called the police. Yes. But I, I just was so dumbfounded. He said, I want to come in and see what you have for homeschooling. And I said, well, you need to make an appointment with my husband. Uh, and then he said, well, I can just look right now. I want to see your computers. You, you have computers, mm. right? No, I'm not comfortable with this. You need to leave. And I started to push his foot. And by about the third or fourth time, I said, I need to call my husband. He left. Mm -hmm. Well, I did call my husband who prompted the the superintendent of school's office and said, this is not acceptable. And, you know, the superintendent himself knew that was illegal. Yeah. He apologized profusely. And he that guy, he was in trouble. And we never had another word out of them again. Mm. It was scary. And it was just a nuisance, really. Yeah. Was there a time where you felt that you could relax and, you know, that you felt like just going through it, that you didn't have that stress looming over you of realities? I don't think we ever really personally felt that because we knew what the law was in Illinois. Mm-hmm. We knew we were doing everything that we thought we could comply with that law. I do think that as time has gone on, though, and I think this is one of my concerns. We're going to talk about a little bit about homeschooling now. I just don't think people are aware enough or paying attention enough mm-hmm. or concerned enough. Yes. About the legality. Yeah, that is the truth. Yeah, I think a lot of people take for granted yeah. what people in your generation did, yes. you know, yeah. so, so you were blessed in Illinois to be pretty regulation free at that point and left alone. But but like yeah. you said, a lot of people in other states were actively threatened and actively jailed and they kept fighting. Yeah. Yep. But people don't know it. I've had people look at me like I was absolutely crazy to say we have to be careful. We have to watch what's going on. I had somebody. A month ago, a homeschool mom say, I never knew it was illegal. And it's mm-hmm. like, how I have been posting these things and you <clears throat> on Facebook. I've talked to people. It's like, I hear you. Oh, we hear you. Trust me. <laughs> There's more I can say about that, but we won't. And guess what? Here's one thing that is just whether it's understanding that there was uh, that it was illegal, that homeschooling was a, you know, a fight that this, you know, shouldn't be taken for granted. It's the same. If we look at the world today, the ones that understand history, it all mm-hmm. comes back to that. Hardly yes. any. Why? Because we understand that the school system, 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 system <laughs> purposely wanted that. That's how it's geared, right? This is why we have this, these, this generation, these upcoming and to go after the information themselves. It's just not, you know, it's, it's, they're not. And so it's hard because we know this. And so it's in that you can, (laughs) Tina hears it from me all the time. I do books. I do book book study that I love because I want this information. And I don't know if it's just because of my age. When I was homeschooling, when my kids were little, I loved to learn. I loved, I read everything that I could to understand, to really not take it for granted. But I don't know if it's because it's such a digital world and it's such that, you know, people aren't that much into studying history or reading books or I'm not sure, but yeah. Well, I think it's like everything else. People just assume we're going to have bread on the shelves in the yeah, grocery. Exactly. They just assume that you're going to have these rights that, oh, are you going to or not? I mean, yeah. it just is, there is a, 
there's a there's too comfortable maybe is what yes. it is right and i know that i mean i've been put out to pasture by a lot of people they're like oh you don't even know what's going on today uh. in the generation i'm like well you know i have my oldest grandchild is 22 uh-huh. and i'm paying attention that's right what, yes. yeah because you have homeschooled grandchildren right so, so you're that- not you know, you're not just baking cookies <laughs> and, and, you know, history. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I'm a little bit desperate. I have Patrick Henry on my wall, you know, <laughs> so I'm up as they used to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I want to take a little rabbit trail before we jump into uh, the, the questions we had prepared, but you'll, you'll be ready for this, Karen. Um, as we tape this in mid June, mid to late June, um, the Supreme Court just yesterday made a ruling that private schools can be given taxpayer money from, you know, from school for school funds. And I don't know about you and Jenny, I don't know about you, but in the last 24 to 48 hours, I have seen all kinds of people celebrating that. Mm-hmm. Yay. We yep. as homeschoolers, we as private schools can get money. What do you have to say as a pioneer, as a veteran homeschooler? Don't do it. <laughs> I, you know, have we learned nothing over the last two years in COVID? That's Amen. right. That's the thing, right? Have not learned anything. And I understand the temptation, you know, because you're thinking, oh man, we could get all get new computers. Yeah. We could take that trip to Washington, DC. Just think of what we could do with that as a homeschooler. Yeah. And I have never been in favor of that. And, you know, I speak very loudly about that. And I have some people close to me that disagree, mm-hmm. but just like other things, we'll just sit back and take a look, just watch what happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My fear is that if people take the money, then the regulation will seep into those of us who don't. Yep. Well, that's always the danger, you know, if, and this was why I have never been in favor of giving more information than absolutely necessary to people. And I, I have another person who in their state where they homeschool, they're required to turn in lesson plans. Mm. Well, this person goes way above and beyond. Mm. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, we were asked, They tried to tell us, the superintendent at one time tried to tell us that we had to fill out a form and it's still there. And many people in Illinois think they have to fill out a a form. And my husband, when we would get this questionnaire to fill out the form, we filled out nothing. They never even knew about the last three kids we had. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You know, he he just wrote back a note and he wrote every year the same thing. Yes, indeed, we are homeschooling. And he just said, (laughs) because that's all they needed to know. Yeah. Here in Wisconsin, we do have a form that we legally have to file, but uh, parents are given an option. They can, they don't have to like name their kids. They don't have to say anything about them, but they just have to tally how many boys and how many girls. Mm -hmm. And you can, which I think is ironic given (laughs) our current state of affairs, but um any anyone between the ages of six and 18, you just tally how many boys and girls and you can do it by grade, you know, first grade, second grade, or you can do it ungraded one through eight and ungraded nine through 12. And either one is perfectly legal. And some of them look at it's like we're, we have, you know, two heads. If we say go with the broad range, yeah. do not mm-hmm. give them a grade level yeah. exactly for what you're saying. Protect your kids privacy. Because the less what happens is if mom a decides to give more information they think why doesn't mom b and c do yes. that so we'll require that next yes. and well, what are they hiding if they're not willing to give the information yeah, yeah. because i'm growing patriots at my house that's what i'm <laughs> yes <laughs> oh freedom fighters that's what we are guys we're freedom fighters let's talk about curriculum okay Yes. So because this is the first thing people want to know about mm-hmm. when they come to the homeschool lab. It's Even neat. before socialization now. It's oh, curriculum. for sure. It's <laughs> right in the door. What? Tell me what I need to do. I need to purchase this, that, this, that, this, that. And or I took the kids out of school and I'm so terrified. What we're doing right now is I just wrote down everything they used before I took them out. And now I'm trying to do that. But not so with you. So <laughs> tell us about your ideas about curriculum and what your family did. And 
Well, let me um, let me scroll up here on my computer. I've got a couple of things that I wrote down here. Um, you know, we started out pretty close to following curriculum. At that time, you could only get maybe Christian Liberty Academy or Bob Jones University Press, yeah. uh, a Becca, and that was it. Yeah. And those were really things geared for, for Christian school. <clears throat> there was yeah. absolutely nothing for homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So you'd always have to skip over those questions that involved, you know, something that had to do with the classroom. But we quickly went to a unit study approach. And I don't even know if people use the phrase unit study approach anymore. They do. Mm-hmm. Well, I just heard somebody say the other day, lap book, and I was shocked. I said, you really know what a lap book is? <laughs> it was a young, a young one. So I'm moving you around here just a second here. I want to go down. I had some notes about this. This is probably the thing that bothers me the most about homeschooling because you'll get asked, about curriculum, socialization, is it legal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the big questions. But the first question, I'll, I will always say, you've gone about three questions past the first ones you should be asking. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I feel that you need to do is have a philosophy of education. That's right. And that is a term that they think belongs with a teacher. Mm-hmm. And yet you will are a teacher already if you have kids and you will be their teacher if you're going to homeschool. So I kind of have this formula that I ask or questions. You want me to just go through those five questions? Please do. Do it. Okay. Well, I ask people to say, you need to make a list or what are the areas of your life as a homeschooling family that are the most important to you? And this ought to be things that your whole family has them put into. We learned a long time ago with six kids and my mom usually with us and we would travel on vacation that if everybody had something that they really liked about vacation or wanted to do, you found out ahead of time and we were able to do that, even if it was just one thing, um, that made for a very successful vacation. If you did not do that, somebody would always be disappointed. So the same thing is true about homeschooling. You brainstorm and you make a list and you kind of narrow it down. And I suggest five priorities. And I'll just give you a list. Maybe it's curriculum that you're interested in, programs, activities, learning methods that you like, or things that you see that maybe detract. You might want to make a little parallel list. Mm -hmm. What are the things that are most important to you? That's going to tell you what your worldview is right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And you have to readjust some things in your life as a homeschooler. If, for example, sports, it can become a high place to people. Yeah. And so you better, I mean, we had a couple, right? On our, our year, early years of homeschooling, they had toddlers and the wife wanted to homeschool so much, but the dad wanted to have professional baseball players. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, how do you decide that when you have a three-year-old, you know, right? right. <laughs> By the way, his kids are all grown. None of them are professional. <laughs> <laughs> but they, this was so important to him. So homeschooling could not, you know, that could not be the case. You know, wow. this was before the days of Tim Tebow, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I suggest you write those things down and you think what are most important things to you? Secondly, you look at that list and you get rid of the things that aren't really beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. Or you look at other things in your life that are going to take away from the good goals that you have made for your family. Um You just, I always picture myself or tell somebody to picture themselves because I can do that now. Look at 25 years ahead. Yeah. You think, what do you want to be seeing in the lives of your grandchildren? Mm -hmm. And that changes a lot. Mm -hmm. I was sharing with one of my sons the other day. There are politicians we have right now who have no children, have no grandchildren, Mm-hmm. I want to make policies for families. Yeah. They have no 
clue what. Yes, that's right. When we look at life, we're considering many years down the road, multi-generationally. Yeah. You know, I, I think about my dad who never lived to see any great grandchildren, did not see adult kid, grandkids, but his influence is huge mm. as a grandmother's. So you need to ask yourself that. And then thirdly, I would say, you know, you need to look at after you decide what those goals are. You say a firm no to anything mm-hmm. that not accomplish those goals. Yeah. There are so many opportunities. It doesn't mean that all these things are bad. Mm-hmm. They just might not help you accomplish your goals. Mm. Yep. So that's the thing. And then I would say you need to make time for the things that you've decided are important. Mm-hmm. And you carve out those places in your life to have those things. Mm-hmm. Um, one example I would give, my husband had to leave very early in the mornings to go to work. Mm. And so if we were going to have family devotion time, either we would have really sleepy attendees at that event, <laughs> <laughs> or we would have to have something in the evenings. Yeah. But that meant we were going to have to not have activities in the evenings. Mm. So when you want to have have a new discipline or something you want to have as a family, you put it, put it, a, you know, wrap it around something you're already doing as a habit. Mm-hmm. So let's do devotions at supper at the dinner yeah. table while everybody's there. That's just one example. Yeah. But you need to be able to say no to bad, to things that aren't good for you for a period of time. And then make time for things that are important. And then I think you need to throw yourself in with all your might to accomplishing those five goals Mm. that you established. You read like you were talking about study, learn everything you can about each of those things. And I think you will see it change your life. I think that the last thing, and that is that we need to always remember that the eternal is the most important as a Christian. And so there are a lot of things that seem very nice. There was an old hymn that said, I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear. We have this world all around us Mm -hmm. that is tempting us with so many things. And, And your mind can just be blown. I was reading last week about Solomon and his wives. Mm. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Mm. What struck me this time in reading that was all the different places these wives came from. Mm. And each of them brought their own gods that they worshipped, mm-hmm. all these different things. And he was led astray yeah. by those things. Yeah, he, he was backslidden or deconstructed or whatever yeah. you call it. And but it wasn't just one type of God. Mm. It was all these different ones. And I think that's what we're surrounded with. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we have to be very careful and pay attention. And so curriculum is just part of it. Uh, what I discovered early on, probably about the second year in, I wanted to have a big library of real books. Mm-hmm. And that's what we started. So we have a huge library, which now has been, you know, gone through ravaged by my kids. Cause I've said, every time you come shop for homeschool stuff on my shelves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So they have. So that, I guess that's my response to curriculum. I have something that I really dearly loved and we did a lot of rabbit trail things. We, I like to, it, it took us an entire year to go through World War II. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. High interest, why yeah. not do it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that is such good wisdom. All of that, Karen. Um, what I was thinking was, and I, Jenny, I think you'll agree with me. We talked to so many young moms, particularly, who, um, like in response to what you said, which I totally agree with, would say, but how do I know that my goals and priorities that I'm listing are the right ones? <laughs> Well, here's they don't trust themselves. Yeah. yeah. Question back. So when people will say, well, how do I know I'm teaching everything that they should know? 
Yep. I will say, well, who decides what they should know? That's right. And who are these people that have decided this list of things that kids are supposed to know? I say it every single, practically every day. Just met with a mom last night. I said, show me the person. Where, where are they? Where do they live? Where There is nobody. It's false. It's fake. Well, there is. there are people in the public or government education system who decide those things for somebody's kids, not for mine. (laughs) (laughs) And they have decided, well, some pretty really weird and wacky things the last few years. And and to the point where parents have been called domestic terrorists because we oppose those things. I don't think so. And I don't think most parents go along with that. But to be told, well, this is what you have to know. Part of what we did when we chose curriculum, we would we would kind of have this idea. What are the basic things that everybody does need to know? Mm-hmm. Well, basic math skills for life, reading right there at the top of the list, Bible knowledge and um, writing skills. Mm-hmm. But then the next sphere, next circle in the sphere would be. What are some things that just some of my kids might need to know? And I got a little bit older. Our daughter was so musically gifted. We knew we were going to push for that for her. So you look at those things and then what are some things that would be kind of fun to know, but are not necessary? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you decide those as a parent. Right. Yeah. What I tell these parents is God gave you your kids because he wants for your kids what you have. You know, you didn't give your kids to the neighbor down the street. (laughs) Yes, exactly. They still don't believe me, but I'm trying to uh, bang it into their heads. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a hard one. We've been so programmed and we've been programmed to think only professionals know these. That's right. Yeah. 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 Spend a little time at libs of TikTok. Have you been on that site? No, <laughs> I don't want my head to explode. I see other people post it. And so I, I have seen it from other people posting yeah, it. Oh my gosh. Teachers that, and you're thinking there's when my children need near those people. Right. Yeah. Well, it is, it's, it just runs so deep this. And we always bring up this word, right? This cognitive dissonance, when you believe something to your course, it's so in you, which is this brainwashing of, um, you know, the school system and nothing that you say can change what, you know, it's just, it's hard for them to get it, but we do love when they see that, when they, and I think because this has all been the tip of the iceberg with watching really what's happening online when the kids had to do online schooling. So then they saw, wait, the teacher doesn't even know how to log in or get on. (laughs) So The parents over there anyway, you know, I think that was an epiphany for so many, but yeah, it can be so frustrating. Now let's talk about, well, there's two, right? Some of the challenges that you've had throughout this journey of homeschooling your own and then some of the blessings as well. Well, let's see the challenges and the blessings. Sometimes they're all rolled into one. Amen. (laughs) I think uh, one of the things that my parents, I'm an only child and my parents both became ill and we did what we could to help take care of them. My older three were high school age my daughter had about 60 piano students when she was 16. Mm. So she's pretty tied up. But our older two boys would take turns going and staying a week at a time with my parents. Mm. And then they would take books and then they'd come back or they'd, you know, we worked it out. It worked. It was hard, but we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was so important and so valuable. And they learned so much. And when my dad passed, we knew my mom could not be alone. She came to live with us. She ended up living with us for almost 20 years. Wow. Our youngest was three. And so he just, you know, he, the little guys, she would listen to them read. So that was a blessing. It was hard. But there was that blessing of that. I think having little people around is really hard when you're trying to teach older ones. (laughs) And we had a child 
who was basically a Houdini in the making. He was so <laughs> you you could not keep him contained. We had to put locks way up behind the doors to keep him from getting out. And so when we were trying to do any kind of serious schooling with older kids, any kind of you know academic work, we my husband came up with what he called the shift schedule, where one of the older ones would play with the little ones. So they you don't want them to feel neglected, you know? And that's very hard. I think to one of my big concerns is that there is too much going and driving and running and kids are strapped in car seats. Yes. And I hate that right now. Yeah. I just feel like it's so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So you want your little children to feel valued. Mm-hmm. They can't feel valued if all they are is in a car seat all day. That's okay. not what kids are made. With a device in their hand. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always a device. Mm-hmm. So we we had them something good for them to do with one of the siblings while I would work with the other ones. So yeah. it was hard, but it was a blessing because that built a good relationship between my older kids and the little ones. There's 16 years between my oldest and youngest. Mm. So one of our sons got married in April. We went to the wedding and just sat back and watched and it was so awesome it just all every kid every grandkid was there and we hadn't seen each other as a whole group for almost two years Mm. live on different coasts and so we just sat back and watched the affirmation of each other and Mm. the love and the and it it came out of those times where the up with younger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So what is each of the six kids doing now? Okay. Um, our daughter's oldest uh-huh. and she has, um, she went to college. She has an undergrad degree in piano performance mm. and a master's in theater oh. and from a Christian college, she's a homeschool mom Yay. and she has, and she has four kids and the first one has graduated and she is just teaches piano at home, which is what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And she just this year is starting her own co-op, which is kind of the co-op of my dreams. I was never a big co-op person and we didn't even have co-ops back then. Yeah. So, um, but it's very much a Charlotte Mason type of a co-op. Mm outdoor activities and things that are just better when you can do them with friends, you know, yeah. some of those things, like I've taught speech, public speaking. That's really better. If you can have several school families do that, you know? Yes. So you have an audience other than the kid in the high chair. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, we have, um, and just enjoyed watching that family. And then her philosophy of education is probably very similar to mine. Mm. And then our oldest son is an attorney and he has been a practicing attorney for 20 years and has mm. some firm and is a criminal defense attorney mm. because he believes in the constitution. You'll have <laughs> to soak in for a little bit, but it's very true. Yeah. And, um, they have three kids and they have homeschooled, but it's it's a hybrid as a university model school where they're at home part of the time and go with a teacher part of the time. And that's kind of their method. Mm-hmm. And their oldest daughter's getting ready to go to Hillsdale this fall. So oh. it worked for them really well. Yes. And then my next son, um, he and his wife also have what I think is a similar philosophy of mine. Lots of books. Um, they have not pushed college on their kids. It's just been whatever they've wanted to do mm-hmm. as far as what their bents are. So the guys are working and my granddaughter, who's 16, has this growing business in um, dress design. She's making mm-hmm. those people. It's kind of blowing my mind, really, what yeah. she can and they have five kids. And then our son has three daughters. And it's kind of a little bit more of an unschooling approach. Mm-hmm. It's just 
there's a variety of yeah. that. Yeah. So it's been fun to watch, really. Oh, yeah. How neat to see the variety. That's all in one family. I love yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Well, because so many people think, right, you get stuck with that, that you can only do that one thing. And so I think that's wonderful. What led you to write The Joy of Relationship Homeschooling? Oh, that's a big question. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we're here for it. You know, I rant my husband and he said, why don't you write a book? I guess. (laughs) Probably what prompted some of this was seeing this idea that kids, that is that homeschooling is abnormal, that feeling this attention that you want to give to your children, this love and being involved with them, that somehow that's abnormal, Mm -hmm. that it's a normal thing to say, hey, my kid is 18. They're on their own. Mm -hmm. That's not normal. You know, who in their right mind sends a kid out the door when they still have about another seven years until their brains are fully developed? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. I, yes. I had when I was at this wedding and I was in this room with 10 of the grandkids and it's just me and all these, <laughs> and we're just talking. And finally I texted my husband, he was outside in the patio and I said, help. I'm in a room and I'm the, with all these people. I'm the only one with a fully developed frontal <laughs> cortex. Please. Oh, it's true. <laughs> oh. And, you, you know, I saw some of that attitude, even amongst homeschoolers, these things. And I just thought, no, there is joy in the relationship, mm-hmm. but you have got to work at it yes. and you have to work at it even when they're grown. Yes. I still do this. I purpose to learn a little bit about whatever it is my kid is interested in at the time. I could care less about golf or baseball. Right. But I learned about those things. Yeah. And that's how you have, if you want to be a mom, then in the very last day you can say, you know, I'm pretty glad that this is what I did. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the lessons I got from your book that was so meaningful to me as my girls were entering their teen years Um, because 2014, let's say they were, they were 12 and 13 at that point. Um, Little did I know, but God knew that my younger daughter was going to go through an angsty phase at about 14 and a half to 16. And and she'd be the first to admit it. So I'm not telling tales on her. She's the one who's expecting the baby as well. And um, one of the things I got out of your book was adults need to be adults. Right. And, you know, like, so when she was having her angsty phase, um, even though it frustrated me to no end, it was still my job to respond as the mature person with the frontal cortex mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and not return in kind and yell at her if she was yelling at me. I, we see so many parents who get so upset with their kids and they have these screaming matches in their home because the adult is acting like a child. And mm-hmm. just by being, by choosing to be the adult, I was able to diffuse those things and I and maintain the relationship with my daughter. One of my favorite verses from the book of Romans is that it's of the Lord's kindness that we come to repentance. And you don't beat a kid into repentance. You don't beat them into um, complying with God's law in their heart. They might, you know, the, the story of the kid who was told to sit down in the car and he sat down and he said to his dad, but I'm still standing up on the inside. <laughs> really, what, this is our sin nature in all of us. Yeah. And I know that, that a turning point for me in parenting really came when I was already a grandparent. Mm-hmm. If, if I can say that mm-hmm. a woman was sharing how she w- had just left an Ash Wednesday service and she looked in the rear view mirror in her car and her little girl in the back seat had ashes on her forehead. And suddenly it struck her. My daughter is not just my daughter, but she's my sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that means that the one another's apply to how we relate to our children. I mean, that was my takeaway. Those one another's apply when she said, she was her sister. 
well, how do we treat our sisters in Christ or how should we treat them? And how does God treat us? I mean, there are consequences for sin, but there is also his kindness that brings us to repent. And so being kind to our children, what does that look like? And that is entering into their sorrows with them to a little person. I I had a funny thing that happened at church on Sunday. I'm called grandma kitty at church because it's like, (laughs) Oh, stories, grandma kitty stories for the kids. And so this little boy came up to me. I've never met his parents. He comes with his grandparents. I love this kid so much. I can't even tell you. I just want to bring him home. His name is Daryl and he's five. (laughs) Okay. Who names a kid? Daryl. Right. (laughs) Sorry. So cute. So cute. Daryl. And he came up to me. I said, Daryl, how are you this morning? I'm so glad to see you today. I was thinking about you when I was on my way to church. Couldn't wait to see you. So face lights up. I said, how are you? And he points to his arm. And I could not see what there was anything wrong there. And But he was <laughs> tell me. And I was guessing a mosquito bite. What is it? Mm-hmm. But he'd had, he'd had to have some blood work done. He'd been sick. <sighs> He was so distressed. And so I could just tell he was so tense. And I just, and I looked at his little arm and I was telling, I said, I know what that feels like. I've had that done. Suddenly you could just feel him relax. Entered into his sorrows. Yes. And we have to do that. And sometimes the teen years are the hardest because my sorrows of my teen years, I'd kind of like to forget. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yet I see it with my kids and my grandkids, those same issues, you know, mm-hmm. they struggle with girls, especially struggle with. And yeah. um, you have to enter into that. You just have to be part of that with your kids and yes. with their joys and with those things that are hard. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That is just a beautiful word right there. It's just. Hmm. It's why we choose to keep our children home and educate yeah. them exactly. with them and ourselves, right? We're educating ourselves. And yes, we are. I just love it. Um, now, what changes? I'm sure you've seen some changes throughout in the homeschooling community over the years, both good and not so good. What are some of those changes? Well, I think, you know, I'm from the old denim jumper era. <laughs> Tina, I wanted to bring the denim jumper back. <laughs> I mean, I still have one. I love, I, I wear dresses every day of my life on purpose. Why? Because if there's ever been such a time for women to be women, yeah. now is the time. <laughs> I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But what is a woman? That's the question. Well, <laughs> we'll have to get you back onto our podcast. <laughs> what is a woman? Oh, yes, exactly. An adult female person, human being. <laughs> um, I think that that um, early on, of course, we were just did not know what we were doing. Anybody really, you just had a conviction and there was a sense of camaraderie. I think it still is the case. I will meet somebody and we find out we're homeschoolers. You have a connection there. Yeah. There's a sisterhood. Yeah. But I do think there was a time that it was all paradigm driven at the convention level. Mm -hmm. Conventions, I thought, had a bigger impact Mm -hmm. than they really did. Mm. You know, I learned in the midst of all of this, this paradigm, this is what a homeschooler has to look like. Mm. And there was the rules you had to follow. They were maybe, they were spoken at convention. They were unspoken requirements for you placed by other people. Mm. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Very uncomfortable. And that was a problem. And I've written a lot about it. My blog, I talk about it. I had podcasts about it. Yeah. I saw so much damage. Yeah. Young adult girls really struggled with that more so than the boys did, I think. Yeah. 
But I think we've kind of come through that. You know, at that time, only about 10% of homeschoolers ever attended a convention. Mm. We did not know that. We thought that most people did. Yeah. So the paradigms were there. I think those are gone. For the part, I think some of the teachings are still out there, but they certainly are not the norm. You go to a convention. These are normal looking people. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. You didn't know they were homeschoolers. Yep. So I think that's one thing. I think that there's so much curriculum out there mm-hmm. that you it's really good, but it's also really bad. Yeah. You know, I think it it gives a message that curriculum is the be all and end all. Yeah. And I think it's a part of it, of course. So I, that's one of the changes that I have seen, just the dynamics of who homeschools and it's another generation. And my kids are second generation homeschoolers. Yeah. I, I have one grandson in a very serious relationship with a girl. I may have great grandchildren homeschooled before I know it, which would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're, we're starting to reap some of the fruits of multi-generational homeschooling. We're starting to see that. And I think it's causing people to be more thoughtful about what they they do for school work, you know, book work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not just to do the school style, but to be creative and all of that. Yeah, yeah. You've also said that you think there's there's important things that are missing today though. What would those be? Let me pull up my list. You know, this is what happens. I tell people I need a T-shirt that says old people know things. (laughs) I mean, we do. There are certain things that you just learn. Yes. You know, you get through this and it's just as part of the way life is. Um, Well, I would like to, if I could introduce every single new homeschooler to Dorothy and Raymond Moore's writings about yes. homeschooling. That's really where we were just challenged. I think for the first time, I, people my age will say, I remember the Dr. Dobson interview with the Moores. Yes. That, that was really a big, big, a seminal moment in homeschooling. It really was. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I would like people to consider one of his his big issues was that we need to have a servant's heart. Our children need to want to serve other people. I do not see that. I have never, ever once been asked. You get you get um, socialization, legality, curriculum. No one says, how can I teach my children to serve? Mm. Never, never have yes. been out. Yes. And yet, isn't this what the life of a Christian is supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Service to others, and it begins in your home. So that is one of the big things I think is really important and it's missing. Yeah. And I'm just not really sure how that can be inculcated into what to, into that conversation. And it needs to be part of the conversation. Sure, sure. Mm. I look back with my own children, how important that was. I know we had an older couple in our church who the the man had been in World War II and our boys were just learning about World War II. They were maybe 10, Mm -hmm. 12, and they started talking with him. His wife invited our boys to come over to their house. Mm. So once a week they would go and watch a, a World War II movie that they would take over for this guy to watch. Mm. They would talk and they'd ask mm. questions. They'd order pizza. Mm. Wife said, you have no idea how good this has been for my husband. Oh, yes. You know, and but it was good for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. because we're training kids and you know, the whole peer thing and socialization is so overrated. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yes. You know, six kids, if that's not socialization, I don't know what is. That's right. <laughs> a grandma living here. Yes. There are three generations in this house. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom would tell stories. One day 
she was sitting at the breakfast table and she said, well, just out of the blue, because, you know, she was almost 90. She said, I remember coming down to breakfast one morning and opening up the paper and we saw a picture of Mussolini hanged on the front page. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what? Suddenly there was a collision with grandma in history. Yeah. Another person, see, and they had learned to serve her and love her and be part of that generation. They did. They have to have, you know, one time I told one of my boys, all your peers are like 80. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) Most of life you spend with adults. Yes. So why should you? training how to interact with adults exactly right right and serving younger siblings like you said your older kids serve the little siblings and that's how it should be yeah it we have to learn to accommodate each other in the world and the workplace yeah so this is a training ground so i feel like that is one of the big things that is missing learning to to um to serve each other and to look for those opportunities and for parents to make sure those opportunities happen in an organic way, like getting to know somebody at church, but in that way, something else that I think is missing is the value of solitude, the value of Mm. quiet in our lives. I feel like, you know, that is just missing so often because we are frantically having to be have our kids in every basketball and baseball opportunity, Mm -hmm. every sporting thing, every birthday party, Mm -hmm. everything that comes along. We're looking for those things because we're so afraid our kids are going to miss something. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, what they're going to miss is learning to entertain themselves, learning to appreciate just some of the, the educational things that, you know, Learning doesn't ever end. This whole idea that you graduation diploma, now you've learned everything you need to know. Is yep. this, this, if I had done anything right in my life, I have trained lifelong learners, which was. Mm. Yes. Every one of them has an interest they want to pursue and learn more about. More of those interesting things all the day. They're interesting people to talk to. Yes. Because they read and they, they think. Yeah. So there's that, I think just learning to to appreciate quiet and learning appreciating being a learner mm-hmm. it's just not an end to that i think that we live in a culture that does not believe in absolute truth mm-hmm. yeah and i am concerned that that is in the homeschooling world too i yeah. see mm-hmm. and so i would highly recommend reading some francis schaefer yes Nancy Piercy and mm-hmm. you know I think one way we did some of that was do a lot of reading out loud yeah. even as, when the kids were older around the lunch yes. table mm-hmm. yep we read Uncle Tom's Cabin mm-hmm. we are keeping at the end but boy so many good lessons in that book mm. that apply today that's right so yeah. I just feel like you know that is missing the the pursuit of truth which yes. is the pursuit of things that are beautiful and lovely we're admonished in mm-hmm. scripture think on those things mm-hmm. that's right isn't there value to just appreciating art for the sake of the beauty of art mm-hmm. or music for that yeah. we live in this wonderful beautiful world we miss so much of the time because we want manufactured things rather than things that come about because of the way God's made us. Mm-hmm. Things if I were the king of the forest that I would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish you were. <laughs> Some days. We'd all have cookies anyway. Yes, we would. <laughs> Karen, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Well, I think I just want to circle back around to the pursuit of things that are of eternal value. You know, the first night I had my stroke and the the whole story was such a strange one because I was really having one over about three days period of time. And I went to the hospital and then while I was in the hospital, the first few days before I was transferred to a stroke 
unit in another hospital. I had a sudden stroke. I was laying in the hospital bed by myself that first night. And I couldn't move. My mind was still pretty sharp. And I was thinking all sorts of things. I was praying. And I said, Lord, um, you know, I don't know where this is going to end. What's the worst that could happen? Mm. Well, the worst is it could happen. I could die. Mm-hmm. But hey, that'd be the best thing that could happen. <laughs> you know, I'm a Christian. Yep. I know that I would be with the Lord. And I started thinking about my parents and grandparents and people I have loved who are believers that I would rejoice with. And my dad, who introduced me to Christ, would mm. also be there to introduce me to Jesus again. And mm. I was just excited about that. But it one thing I learned during that time and over that first month in the hospital, and I was trying then as I was able to, and I got a little better to share with friends and ask for prayer. Mm-hmm. I asked for some specific prayers and I started to see the Lord really answering things in ways that I maybe didn't expect them to be. Mm-hmm. And then after my stroke, that was 2018, we had a couple of other major things in our family, an extended family. And they were life-shattering, just earth-shaking things that were just horrible, mm-hmm. really. And, you know, it was just really hard for me to look at it. And I, I found myself more than once waking up. I could not really get up by myself out of bed. Once I got home, I had to have my husband help me at first. And Mm -hmm. so there I would be, and I would just pray. Well, then a few months later, I was talking to a couple of different friends that I'd had been homeschool mom friends for years, decades. I said, we need to start having mom prayer meetings. And so that's what we have done. We try as often as we can. Sometimes it's every week. Sometimes it's every month. And we're old enough now. Everybody's got a doctor's appointment or something. (laughs) (laughs) But we try to do that. And we keep prayer journals. And I'll tell you, I have seen the Lord work in absolutely amazing ways. And in the lives of our children, especially, we have committed to praying for each other's kids and each other's grandchildren Mm. by name in a prayer journal. Mm. And if I see a friend, like I saw someone I graduated from high school with at a 50 year reunion, (laughs) (laughs) I, we started talking, we committed to pray for each other's kids and grandkids. And I write the names down in the book. I look back and I see how God is acting, how he is. Fulfilling his purposes. And I think so many things that I see have happened because we made the choice to homeschool. Mm-hmm. We have something to work with mm-hmm. as we're looking at challenges because we have learned things. Yes. And we've learned to trust the Lord. We've learned to trust him with our kids, with our grandkids. And are there times of worry and concern absolutely but you know god is answering and i had this young girl this year come to christ i gave her a bible i asked the moms to pray she came to christ and it's like this is awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yes because i was so in the mode all the time of working with my kids sometimes those outside families and people you just didn't you know Persist for evangelism. So I guess my biggest admonition is please pray for your kids, Mm. pray for your grandkids. And we always say, oh, yeah, I'm praying, but no, do it with a purpose and write down specifics. Yes. Yes. And ask the Lord to move. And are there things that He still has not answered the way I want to say? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that I've stopped praying. That's right. You know, I'm going to be as pesty as my three-year-olds were when they asked me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because that's how we're, we're told to pray that way. Yeah. Yeah. So keep the eternal in mind. You know, yeah, we need to know math, but I'll tell you what, 
are we really going to need to know everything that we think we do that those are they going to really know but they need to know about God's sovereignty about about who he is and how he is available and loves them and that we're parents that they can come to us Mm. and that's what our kids really need to know Mm. well thank you so much moms and dads for tuning in today I hope that all of this resonates with you right now. And I hope that you'll have it. You can always go back. You can listen to it because you might need that boost of truth. I hope that you know that you are handpicked by our Savior, our Lord God, to be with those very children for such a time as this. Be blessed, friends. Mm